0: not ogling i'm imaginating i'm appreciating i'm contemplating her cleavage when oh, you're right you are right Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know
1: what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes.
0: We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now this is going to take several years as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew
1: to extend your listening experience. That's right, and we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are, and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com, and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with
0: us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna?
1: I sure am. Well, let's get started. we go season three episode five all creatures great Mm. and so great wow we're already to the fifth episode of the third season grace i know it's just
0: i can't believe how time has gone so fast and even with us having a break and we're already up to this episode but i'm glad we're up to this episode because it's another great episode of moonlighting from season Mm -hmm. three, which
1: produced a lot of great episodes that year. Yes. And my thinking on this episode, kind of like Witness or something like that. It's an episode that's really great, but not talked about all that much. You know, when people discuss certain episodes of Moonlighting, All Creatures isn't one that's mentioned too much, but I think it's just such a solid little episode. There's some episodes of Moonlighting that are wonderful i think of witness because like major things happen in witness it's their first kiss but i don't know like just in general just in the moonlighting metaverse or whatever you know when fans are talking about certain episodes all creatures or witness they're not episodes to me that are like oft discussed but i don't know what are your thoughts
0: yeah it's probably because there's no continuation in their relationship it's just a case Except for you know, they have a real big Dm about religion for and against, but that might be why. however, it is it is shown on some promos some of the cuts from this episode, which I think are quite classic and iconic.
1: yeah, yeah we get there's some um, real insight to their characters. we We do go a little bit deeper with their thoughts and beliefs on religion, um mm-hmm. which is, intentionally, um, Glenn has actually talked about this episode a few times, intentional on his part, I think he even talked about it when he was on our podcast, a real thought process of what would each of their views be on religion. And um, at first, you might think that uh, Maddie would be the religious one. And David, um, he sees religion as more of a romantic thing. And David's romantic and Maddie's more practical. And yeah, so there's a lot of thought that goes into their views on religion, and, and, you know, which uh, deepens their character. But one other thing is, We also get inside Maddie's mind on her thoughts about David when she's in the confessional, which I think are really interesting, which we'll get to. But, Mm. yeah, I just think there's some really good character insights here.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's just the major subject matter in this episode. It really does cover Maddie's view on religion and David's very passionate view on religion. And, yeah, you're right. Glenn mentioned it in our interview about that role reversal. He we thought, well, how about if Maddie was the one that was the atheist and not David? And it's like the role reversal in Yours Very Deadly. They love doing this role reversal stuff. I think it's great. But you're right, it goes deep into their, their thoughts and feelings and emotions, and Maddie reveals her feelings in the moment to the priest, even though, unfortunately, he's not listening, but... um. <laughs> So it's
1: quite a revealing episode. You know, we do have to mention, (laughs) Grace, that this is actually a continuation of a subject matter that started in in God We Strongly Suspect.
0: Yeah, that's right. When he found out that she didn't believe in the man above. Yeah. And he said, shush, he might hear
1: you. Uh Right. Yeah. Even if you think it, don't say it, you know, out loud. And (laughs) it's kind of... um, fun to revisit the subject matter and and hear their deeper thoughts on that yeah, yeah.
0: no it's maybe a little thought provoking okay. while you're watching this episode you'll probably think about your own life mm-hmm. i mean i really like this episode because i was brought up in a very religious catholic family church every sunday so i appreciate the episode but yeah. even if you're not catholic you could be a different type of religion You can appreciate it because you have a belief in something. Doesn't matter whether you're Catholic, you know, whatever you might be. um, Belief is, yeah. The belief is there, and that's what he's trying to say. There's a belief in the higher power, but he's saying, talking about the confessional, and she's like, "Well, that seems a bit easy. Oh, yeah, you're just forgiven, just like that." You know, it's thought provoking. It's definitely a conversation starter in real life. If you're talking about politics or or religion, it's a little dangerous, because Mm -hmm. we have opposite views and all that sort of thing. But it was well done in the episode. Anyway, I thought it was
1: great. So anyway, we're getting ahead of
0: ourselves. But yeah, it
1: does represent two thoughts. Same like you, I went, I grew up Catholic and went to church every Sunday and all that stuff. So can, you know, see the David side, but there are people in my own family who feel like Maddie. So it represents that side, you know, that this is it. There's nothing after this when it's over, the lights go out and that's it. You know I mean? Mm. We've all had these conversations with our friends or family and stuff like that. Yeah, of course, politics and religion, sometimes hot topics. But, uh, you know, I mean, it also kind of shows, because they are hot topics, the depth of Maddie and David's relationship where they can discuss these things. Yeah. yeah and that, so. I was
0: thinking about that last night, actually, because, you know, she's saying how crazy he is and rebel without a clue and all this sort of thing. And, using all these adjectives to describe him, yet they have a lot of DNMs. They talk a lot about stuff. What
1: are these DNMs? Sorry? I said, what what are DNMs? I don't know what that means.
0: Oh, DNM is a deep and meaningful.
1: Oh, okay. I've never heard that before. Oh. DNM.
0: Yeah, we call them DNMs when you have a deep and meaningful conversation. We just go, oh, it's a DNM. And they have a lot of those. So they know each other really well. So, I know. you know, it's like, what is your problem?
1: Well, she kind of is on that in a confessional. Yeah. Okay. We are getting ahead of ourselves. So, <laughs> yep. Shall we begin now that we've gotten our 10 minute diatribe? <laughs> 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 okay. List- the end. Just say,
0: <laughs> the listeners are probably thinking, what are you guys doing? What's going on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, yeah, that shows how much there is to discuss in this episode. So let's get to it, Grace.
0: Okay. All Creatures Great and Not So Great. It first aired on November 11, 1986. It was directed by Christian I. the II. And this is the second last episode that he will ever do for Moonlighting. He does one more, which is Big Man on Mulberry Street. Now, you know how I was talking about the credits in yours, Very Deadly? a couple of weeks ago, yeah. um, how they all of a sudden they stopped short on the credits. Well, wow. Shauna, <laughs> they went all out on this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> credits for days.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. There's credits upon credits. Everybody's in there. It's amazing that hairstylist isn't included. Um, right. Okay. We have Teleplay by Charles Egley. The story was by Eric Blakeney, Gene Miller, and Charles Egley. And of course, it was directed by Christian. So it was a whole big, epic credit thing happening here. I just thought that was funny. I thought that was hilarious. I thought, what? What has come
1: up on the screen? (laughs) I know. (laughs) They've got everyone in there. Maybe they realized, oops. So during the credits,
0: we've got supervising producers, we've got
1: producers, we've got teleplay, and we've got story by. Well, I know. Why did they start doing that? It was like, (laughs) Written by, and then would say like Roger Director or Glenn Gordon Karen. And then suddenly it was like, a, maybe it became more of a group effort at some point. Yeah. Writer's room. I don't, I don't know, Glenn, Production so have have changed, changed a little bit. I don't know. But yeah,
0: I just thought no. I was just laughing when I was watching it because it took up the whole screen. <laughs> oh, I know.
1: Yeah. And guess who else was credited? Here it is. <laughs> Finally saw his name up there. That was lovely. As Burt Viola, not Herbert.
0: Yes. Now, I was going to ask you that. They put him there as Burt Viola, which yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't use his full name. Okay, we have a special guest star in Richard Bamer who plays Ray Adamson. And people would probably know him as Tony in West Side Story. Brad Dourif as Father McDonovan. Jessica Harper as Janine Dalton. Curtis, of course, as Herbert Quentin Viola. Stan Ross as the homeless man, Santos Morales as Father Estevez, and John Gallagly as the second priest. Okay. A little bit about the episode. A Catholic priest becomes infatuated with a woman who comes to confession on a regular basis. In her last confession, she informs the priest that she thinks she wants to die. She leaves the confessional and he is unable to catch up with her, only seeing the taxi cab drive away. He decides to hire Blue Moon to find this woman, even though he doesn't know her name or what she even looks like. During their investigation, Maddie and David find the woman, but are surprised to find that on the surface she seems to be happily married, which totally contradicts what the priest said. They are now in a dilemma on whether to tell the priest that she is married. When the woman apparently commits suicide, Maddie solves the crime when she realises that the woman couldn't have killed herself due to the length of the gun. So as always, Maddie and David are on the case to find the killer.
1: Ooh, another husband and wife,
0: another spouse, another louse. (laughs) (laughs) We've had quite a few of those recently.
1: I know. Like we said last week, a lot of spouses die on moonlighting at the hands of their spouses. If you watch Dateline NBC, you see how true that is. It's always the boyfriend. It's always the husband. It's always the the wife. It happens. So Glenn was on to something here. The episode begins
0: with the camera panning down a building which says Our Lady of Sorrows Rescue Mission. And do you call them a soup kitchen like we do? We call them a soup kitchen. Yes. Okay. So there's lots of people in line for food. And the other thing I noticed, it said Jesus saves on the wall again, like it did in Next Stop Murder on the tunnel. Remember that? Yes. The camera just going along the queue of men waiting in line for food to the music of all creatures of our God and King. That's the music that's playing.
1: Okay, it's fitting.
0: Yeah, then you see a priest in a daze serving food, and he's not really paying Mm -hmm. that much attention to this poor old man who's waiting for his food. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I found out a little bit about this gentleman. His name is Stan Ross, and he's an actor that goes way back. But a little bit of trivia I found out about him was that he appeared in that um, David Lee Roth music video, Just a Gigolo. Oh, really? So I went on YouTube just before to watch it, and I'm thinking, where is he, where is he, where is he? And I found him, and he just oh. played a – um. He played a pirate. He's got a big pirate hat on. Yeah. Yeah, he was, used to be on the Jackie Gleason show, and he was a drunken biker in 1985 on The Mask, and he did Moonlighting. Yeah, so he was mainly known for Mask, not The Mask, Mar and pa Kettle at home. Do you remember Mar and pa Kettle, Shauna? Yes, I do. Yep, 1954. He was also in What's Up Doc in 1972. He was a musicologist. I don't remember that, but yeah,
1: we shall continue. Yeah. So the priest, like you say, is Father McDonovan, right? And he's just kind of pensive. He's waiting very pensively and he's like zoning out and kind of lost in his thoughts. And yes, the homeless man is kind of demanding his attention. We kind of find out that he is waiting for um, another priest to come and replace him so he can get out of there and get over to the church. To hear confession and he's really not having it when that the priest who's late comes in and tries to apologize he just really gives him like the stink eye you know looking at his watch and like Mm-mm-mm. throws the apron at him <laughs> yeah no he's just not even happy he's just really gives him like the worst look ever you know um, and then he's just very focused laser focused on getting to that church
0: yeah and what I thought about this scene was The camera is following him down the street, but I just felt it went a bit long. I don't know. They just used up a bit of time here to follow him down the street. I know they're trying to give the impression that he's on a mission, so to speak, pardon the pun, to get where he wants to be. We don't know why yet.
1: Well, I mean, seven minute opening, Grace. They were really filling some time here. So yeah, they definitely drew out this opening scene just in general, you know. And to make up for it, we do get, about seven minutes of Maddie and David right after this. But um, yeah, a long opening here, a long setup. I don't mind it. It, just, it is a bit long, though. If I'm watching it for the fifth or sixth time, I don't know if I'm going to watch that whole opening again, you know? The opening goes for seven minutes and 30 seconds. It's really long. I mean, we could have just come in with the heels coming down and her coming into the confessional. You know what I mean? Like, did we need this whole setup of. Him at the soup kitchen, him walking down the street, him mad at the priest, him, you know, begging the priest to let him listen to confession. And I think they were just uh, stretching some time here. Yeah, I agree. Let me tell you about this church, Grace. Mm -hmm. I
0: was waiting. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm going to say is, is that beautiful wide shot from the front, the cameras at the front Mm. of the church looking towards the back. And it's
1: just absolutely beautiful. But please explain. Go ahead. Yeah, it's the beautiful church that I have visited, um, St. John's Episcopal Cathedral on West Adams in Los Angeles. The interesting thing about this church is they use this church for all creatures here, and then they used it again for atomic and just filmed from two different angles. With atomic, you see more from the altar shot looking into the back of the church of the pews. And this one, I think they focus more on from the back of the pews to the front of the church. When you look at Atomic, you can see the same detail in the architecture of the church and the marble and the colors and things like that. It is a very beautiful church. Visited a few years ago, there's like a gate on the side of the church to the left. We had to ring a bell to go in and then someone led us into the church that way, coming in from the side, actually. You know, Just looking around when I was in there, I could see that the confessionals were not there. That's something that they placed. Um, so, you know, they, they bring things in and kind of stage them the way that they want, but yeah, I really love this church. And like you said, this shot from, um, the back of the church to the front with the white and the blue and the yellow, just the colors of the church and everything is yeah. Gorgeous church used in at least two episodes of moonlighting. I, I think those were the only two they used the, this church, but, um, really nice church also in atomic. I think if you look the cameras, okay. If you're at the, altar it's set a little bit to the right so it's kind of filming to the corner of the church in a way Mm. i don't think you're it's not doing that whole wide view that they've got it's set up here i think you're getting half of the pews in the middle and the pews on the left kind of like a corner view and not so much the wide view that they do here that's what i would guess they can make things look so many different ways you know yeah
0: well with the old hollywood magic they can make anything look completely different i mean i understand yeah the
1: the two churches look so different anyway even though it's the same church i mean just in general it looks super different you know
0: Mm.
1: yeah i think it's just where the camera is set you know it's like one shot i'm seeing it seems like less pews but they had the camera kind of set maybe four pews in you know and you're only seeing like half of the
0: Mm.
1: and lighting because the lighting here they have like the candelabras around they have it lit really bright in all creatures so, yeah, I think between lighting and where the camera's set, yeah, there's lots of candle lit and the, the costuming and, yeah, the staging and just all those things just make a difference. He rushes in and pleads to the priest that he
0: wants to do confession. The other priest said, no, it's okay, I'll cover for you. But he's adamant. He goes, no, please, I need to do confession today. The priest he's talking to is Santos Morales, and he's known for the Three Amigos back in mm-hmm. school in 1986. The relic in 1997, but also he played Waldo in 1983 in Scarface. Oh, really? So that's Santos Morales. All right. Um, yeah. So then he goes into the confessional and you hear voices confessing their sins or different people. Yeah. And suddenly, Shauna, he hears yes. something. He click, hears click, the letters coming down the aisle and he knows straight away. Yeah, it's the person that he's obviously been wanting to talk to. Nice shoes, by the way.
1: Yeah. yeah, that kind of orangey red, shiny, very unique. It's a nice mandarin
0: color. I like it.
1: Yeah, I do like the color.
0: But it's funny when she says, Oh, it's me, Father. And he goes, Oh, hi, like a schoolboy. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah,
0: he is smitten. Obviously, she's a regular and she apologizes for not coming to confession last week. And he says, I missed you. Oh, dear, we have a problem here already. Yeah, we're starting to see that there's a problem, yes. So he sees that she's lost her faith and God's turned his back on her and she wants to die and he begs her to pray with him. and But she rushes off suddenly and cuts the conversation short. And now he does what a priest should never do. He runs out of the confessional past the other priest who knows exactly Mm -hmm. what he's doing. Yeah. And he yells out (laughs) because he knows he's following that woman. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, depends how you look at it. He gets outside where he finds her getting into a taxi, which we find out later. He has taken note of the color of the taxi and he's just left there just watching the taxi drive away. Yeah. And that's our first seven minutes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I did look to see if they were the same shoes and all of that. And it looked like they were like the continuity was good.
0: The only thing I thought is that the woman getting into the taxi had longer hair than the actress did later on. Really? Was it curly? Yeah, sort of, sort of wavy. (laughs) I didn't take that much notice of it, but I thought, oh, does that hair look longer than her hair? I don't know.
1: Anyway. First seven minutes. So the whole setup is, yeah, he's a priest and we all know, you know, the boundaries of priests and she's a regular of his. He's obviously like rushed there specifically to talk to her. She wants to die. She wants to commit suicide. He's trying to stop her from thinking that way and all of that.
0: Father McDonovan is Brad Dourif. And if you are a fan of horror movies, you may know that he is the voice of Chucky. Oh, really?
1: Mm -hmm. I didn't know that.
0: He did every single Chucky movie. He is the voice of Chucky. Get out of town.
1: We're very rich from that.
0: Yep. He is yet another actor in Moonlighting. That also was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. He's the third actor that's been in that movie. The first one was uh, Vincent Chevalley from Next Stop Murder, Elise Beasley's husband, and also Sidney Lassick, who was the nosy neighbour in um, The Bride of Tupperman.
1: Oh, okay. Right.
0: Look, this guy is amazing. He's got so many actor credits. But the main thing he's known for is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 75, Mississippi Burning. In 1988, he played Deputy Clinton Pell In 1990, he was the Gemini Killer in The Exorcist three. In 2002, he played Wormtongue in The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Yeah. His um, resume is pretty long, so he's done a lot of stuff. He did 36 episodes of Deadwood, if anybody out there is a Deadwood fan. Yeah, Child's Play 2, Child's Play 3, all the Chucky movies.
1: Yeah, he's been in everything. Yeah, he's been around forever. Great actor.
0: And also, you know, another reason I I love Brad Dourif is that he plays
1: the didgeridoo. Does he? Oh, wow. (laughs) Can't say that about too many actors, right?
0: There's two CDs that were put out and he played the didgeridoo on them. There you go. That's Brad.
1: Love it. Thank you. So how great is this transition from the world of a priest and confessional and helping the homeless to David and the Wobblies (laughs) ogling the neighbor through a a long telescope lens?
0: Yes. um, (laughs) Total contradiction from the previous scenes. Hilarious. It's funny because you go from a priest in a church to boom, you see men ogling a woman in another building through a telescope it's just it's just great I love it
1: yeah yeah they're just they're so laser focused now on you know it's like the priest was laser focused on you know getting to that confessional and uh, David and the guys here are so laser focused on this secretary that they have spotted across in another building and David's giving them the play-by-play and they're just hanging on every word
0: David's up to his old tricks again making out that he's. Teaching them applied surveillance techniques, but he's got the wobblies gathered around and he's explaining to them what he's seeing through the telescope and asking Herbert for a drum roll. Oh no, drum roll, Viola. She's got the pencil, (laughs) she's bending down, the skirt sliding up, and oh, and then he just says, stockings and a garter belt, which he says that exactly like Bill Murray would say it. Did you get Uh, that impression? Uh, No, I didn't. But yeah, I could see that.
1: Stockings and a garter belt. Mm. Stockings
0: and a garter belt. I see what you're saying. Every time I watch, I think, is he imitating Bill Murray? It's just
1: just great. Could be. And of course, all of their fun is thwarted with Maddie's quick entrance.
0: (laughs) Maddie's not too happy. She enters and slams
1: the door. So that's our first door slam. Okay. Right off the bat. She must have gotten tipped off or had some clue that they were up to no good in there because she slammed in pretty hard. He
0: turns around, he realizes that Maddie's there. He says, Hi Maddie. In a real patronizing
1: way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he doesn't really give a crap, does he? (laughs) (laughs) And of course he's gotta spin a line of BS, you know, oh, I was just giving some lessons in applied surveillance techniques. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Maddie will take a look, right? She wants to learn. Of course, the Wobblies make their way out of there as soon as possible.
0: They couldn't get out there fast enough. It was a stampede for
1: the door. (laughs) And good continuity with the two shots with David and the Wobblies all gathered around. And then, you know, when the camera's behind them, they're all in the same position and all of that stuff. In case you checked or didn't check, it worked from both angles from what we were seeing. Yeah, I didn't check it in this episode, but that's good. As Maddie makes her way to the the telescope he shifts it a little bit right and there's like a you
0: know (laughs) I seriously love that squeaky sound when he moves a little bit but she's smarter than him
1: (laughs) she moves it right back he didn't even move it that much but it's funny that he didn't really want her to see what he was looking at he's already looking sheepish looks a little uncomfortable right at first (laughs) and she just starts berating him David Addison
0: You are a vile, unevolved swine.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes,
0: I I am. am. Yes, I am. (laughs) You don't deserve to belly up to the same trough with the rest of the pigs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's just not holding back at all, is she? Yes. You give bacon a bad name.
0: Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience.
1: Pretty low, you know, watching someone from an office window and giving every last detail about her. Maddie's just like, really, this is what it's come to? She already thought it was bad, but...
0: But is she really surprised? Should she really be surprised?
1: No, no, no. But I think he just never ceases to amaze her. You know, Mm. like she said here, your depravity knows no limits. Where's the bottom? Well, it's kind of like she says in Twas. Just when I think you couldn't go any lower, you find a basement door. That's
0: it. Very well said. He knows it was childish and he knows that it was immature and he really doesn't have a good excuse for his behavior. But I love in this scene how they keep cutting back to Maddie to prove that she's there as opposed to the shoulder scene with a body double. They keep going <laughs> up and back and he's I looking at just her gonna... and she's looking at him and it's like they try to prove that she's there. It's so funny.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. They just keep cutting back and forth and showing both of them in the scene. But from behind, it's clearly a double with a wig on. But you yeah. know what I noticed? I noticed something. The problem is that the cut
0: behind the body double's shoulders she's mm-hmm. shorter then you cut to bruce's over the yeah. shoulder and maddie is taller
1: oh yeah that's so true the double is almost like eye to eye with him in this one mm-hmm. or is he sitting in a different way as he's sitting up on the desk yeah but he's still sitting on the desk there's, there's no change okay. for bruce's yeah.
0: things. but yeah so yeah. whoever's standing there is
1: definitely shorter so that's anyway. so true yeah that actually the height difference is a lot yeah when you look at the cuts back and forth also I mentioned it when we watched Symphony and Not Flat. This opening scene, you know, very much mirrors that, you know, different conversation, but Sybil has a similar colored dress on, right? It's a, another long scene of them in, in his office discussing whether it be dating or his appropriateness in the office doing these type of things. These two scenes to me are very similar. If it's the fact that, um, you know, similar colored dress in, in his office having these long I think the other one was like seven minutes as well, you know, these long go rounds. The one that she was telling him about her date. Yes. After throwing the flowers in the garbage can, she's got that peach dress on and they go round and round. And here it's just kind of a similar setup, different topic, but the two scenes are similar to me. But unlike the one in Symphony, Maddie's hair is pretty good. There are a few little changes, I would say. Um, I think maybe this one was only filmed over a couple days and not like, I think the other one was probably filmed over three or four. I don't know. Just Sybil's hair sometimes looks like freshly brushed and then sometimes it looks a little bit more relaxed. I don't know. And that necklace that she's wearing sometimes can be a continuity issue as well. She was wearing one similar to that in My Fair David, where it kept twisting a different way. I think here, all the continuity is pretty good actually, with between her hair and her necklace and all of that.
0: Well, speaking of her hair. One thing I just wanted to mention about her hair in this
1: episode is that
0: it's much flatter than it normally is. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, they have not done the big curly helmet hair in this one. Yes, I will um, comment more on that later. Okay. So yeah, David does a really good job of kind of doing the whole Mia culpa. You're right, Maddie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bow down, bow down, bow down. He just wants her off his back. He doesn't want to go 10 rounds with her this time. He just wants to say, you're right, Maddie. I was wrong, you're right, and here, why don't you take this, that'll never happen again, kind of thing. Is he taking a different approach with Maddie here?
0: As you've said before in previous episodes, he's acting it out, he's full of shit. Because he knows he's got other
1: equipment to use, Shauna. Yeah, he just wants her out of there so he can uh, keep looking at all happy thighs. Yeah, (laughs) happy thighs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But she believes him. Goes, I know she does. He picks up That's the telescope, surprising. starts walking out, and she goes, oh, I'm surprised. He goes, I'm sorry, and he and she says, I believe you are. And I just <laughs> think it's hilarious how she tries to back out of the doorway and the telescope hits the door and she tries to get out. It's,
1: it's I know. <laughs> Everything that happens with that telescope, especially when she throws it down, I don't know, it just, like, kills me into you know, this really expensive piece of equipment. <laughs> You know, you know what? Every
0: time I watch that, I think, I hope there's a mattress on the ground there and she just throws I it. Know. I And then too. they do the audio in post with the glass smashing.
1: That's so funny you say that because I feel the same way. I'm like, they didn't really break that big telescope, did they? They are expensive. And like he says, it's a precision instrument.
0: We've got one you know? here and it's fabulous. And I would never do that to it.
1: <laughs> no. And Maddie has one in her office too, right? And this is the first time we've ever seen one in David's office, I think. But Maddie, I think we've seen a, a telescope like that in Maddie's office, um, just as scenery, as, as props. Um, we do thought we'd seen it in his office. Have we? Could have been in the background. Maybe they both have. There are certain things. Like there's something on David's desk. It's like a bunch of, it looks like needles and you, and someone presses their hand into it. Yes, yes. And sometimes that's different. Like here, I think it might be like a peace sign maybe on it or something. I don't know. But sometimes that changes. There are things that you could definitely um, watch on their desk um, as far as decor and Bruce kind of pointed out when he did the commentary, you could, you know, watch these things and pause and say, what's that globe doing there? And what's that, you know, some of this decor is very eighties and, you know, we have before like with the uh, coat racks and stuff when David suddenly had like Mm. two coat racks in his office. Mm. Yeah. There are things that we could uh, maybe look a little closer at. Anyway,
0: Maddie. Uh, You know what I find hilarious is as soon as she walks out, He grabs the biggest binoculars I have ever seen. (laughs) I know. Yeah.
1: That had to be like a comic effect, right? Like, okay, long telescope, but now he's got his massive (laughs) (laughs) binoculars. That's funny. I'm a girl watcher. I'm a girl watcher. I'm a girl Watcher. watcher. I'm a girl watcher.
0: I'm a girl watcher watching this by. and you know what he starts playing by. it like Gosh. he played the trumpet in um dre- in, ah. dream, in dream sequence did you notice that
1: yeah 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 he's like playing it like it's his instrument that it's so <laughs> yeah you're right that's so funny that's yeah. cute and he's adjusting and he's um making sure it's crystal clear you know it's not blurry and all of that thing and then maddie you know is like oh i don't need to keep this it's great continuity here because
0: it's him holding him and he's throwing him in the drawer. And then you see the camera from the other angle yep. from where Maddie's standing and he throws him in the drawer. Yep. I thought that was good continuity. Yes. Now, if he was smart, he would have waited and checked the door, opened the door to make sure she went to her office and then went back to the window.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. He definitely couldn't wait to get back to look at this woman. She must be quite something, you know? you're right. Um, maybe he just thought, oh, she believed me. She took the telescope. Surely, you know, this conversation is over. And no, Maddie's come back in, you know, because she really believed David. And she throws it on the ground, which kills both of us. And you hear it all shatter to pieces. And we're back at it, going uh, 10 rounds again here about his aberrant behavior. Well, <laughs>
0: I'm just... I get trichinosis just looking at you, and she throws the telescope on the ground. Now, I had to look that up because I'd never heard trichinosis before. It's a food-borne disease caused by a microscopic parasite called trichinella, and people Mm. can get this disease by eating raw or undercooked meat from animals infected with the parasite. And often these infected meats come from wild game, such as a bear or pork products. So... The fact that she just plucked that out of the air, that's just great.
1: I had heard of that before, trigonosis. I think might be something more discussed in the U.S. Like, don't eat pink pork. Don't eat undercooked pork. You might get trigonosis. Like, I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. So it might be more of a well-known thing in the States about pork and how to cook it. They came up with every way to call David a pig without really calling him a pig here, didn't they? (laughs) Oh, it's so well done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's so great about moonlighting too, you know, even back here in the eighties. Um, and, you know, when this plays again here in 2023, you know, when it streams on Disney and people watch these episodes, they can't say that, you know, the topics that he wasn't called on his bad behavior, you know, I mean, because of Maddie, his sexist ways, his piggish ways, they were always called out, called into question. He like, didn't just get away with it. They knew in the eighties, like the behavior wasn't okay. You know, mm, absolutely. So, not, yeah. I think that is going to play well these days with a new audience, I would think. Yeah. He was a complex little character,
0: complex little fella. I mean, mm-hmm. he did he did the most obnoxious,
1: crazy things
0: at the office, yet he's passionate about religion.
1: Yeah. Everybody's yeah, complex, right? Everybody has their I mean, he's he's a girl watcher. I mean, he loves women. Part of his character, no doubt, but He definitely has a sensitive side, a serious side and all of that. That's what's so great about these characters. They're also complex. I mean, Maddie too, you know? Mm. I mean, she's a contradiction as well. And, you know, sometimes we get on her about it, but we might accept it more in David than Maddie. But that's how we all are though, you know? Great characters, Glenn. Shout out to Glenn. They've got contradictions. And I mean, we've all got our little contradictions. So that's what makes them so real as well. Mm. And the commentary for Every Daughter's Father is a Virgin Sybil points out that like we're only in the second season and these characters are so well formed I mean because the first season was short and then we had you know a full second season but still we're early in the third season and the depth of character the complexity and all of that is just so great you know it's great writing I mean Sybil was kind of saying the characters were kind of popped out of Glenn's brain fully formed Mm -hmm. where sometimes they take a while to develop and and I think there were a few, you know, the first season they were finding their footing, but pretty quickly Sybil and Bruce found these characters and like, they were, yeah, they were pretty fully formed from the start. So that's why we can be in episode five of season three and having these really deep discussions about religion and have such opposite views and have a great case and some great discussion, character development and stuff. So, yeah, that's why we love it, Grace. That's why we're here. There's so many
0: aspects to this episode. So it's, it's, it's great true. to watch yet so now he doesn't give a shit she's walked in smashed the telescope on the ground so he picks up the binoculars up from the drawer again and continues to ogle even though he is in deep doo-doo Shauna.
1: yep now his attitude totally shifted doesn't even care <laughs> he's just like whatever
0: so she goes on her rant saying that she thought she knew the depths of his depravity but your depravity knows no limits, does it? And then he goes... This
1: is fogging up my lens. Ogling some secretary like she was a piece of meat at a butcher's window. Oh, And <laughs> <laughs> he's wiping it off with his tie.
0: So ogling some woman like she's a piece of meat at a butcher's window. So hence the <laughs> trichinosis. not ogling. I'm... Imaginating. I'm... Appreciating. I'm contemplating her and she goes cleavage
1: and he goes
0: when oh, you're right you are right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep and he just continues to do it right in front of her you know there where he says why do you think someone would get a tattoo on their inner thigh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can really see every part of this woman we're getting quite quite a picture
0: and you know what i love about this scene is that he will say something and she will say something and they're disassociated. They're not even responding to what the other person has just said. She's saying that you're not only demeaning this woman, but he's demeaning the entire gender. And that's when he yeah. says,
1: Why do you suppose someone would decide to get a tattoo on her inner thigh? I know. Yeah. That's what, what makes it so him.
0: funny, you know?
1: Yes, totally. And the line, think how I feel. is <laughs> like, I think oh. about it all the time. Okay. You don't care about her. Just think how I feel. I think about it all the time. Oh, I love it. It's so funny because I think we had a a line like that before, but it always makes me think of to heiress human when she says, think about how I feel, and he says, take it from me, you feel great. Because
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, in knowing her when they're in the hearse, she said if she was in one of these, she thought she'd be on her back, and he said, don't tempt me.
1: (laughs) Don't tempt me, yeah. I know, exactly. But these lines, you know, she doesn't really react to him saying it here. And it's stuff that he would say all the time. But of Mm -hmm. course, in Tara's human, they've slept together. So it's like now everything is too real. Those comments don't really like fly with her anymore because she's just like, don't don't talk like that. Don't say that in the office. I (laughs) always say things like that in the office. This is just case in point. He did. Mm. He said exactly those things before. So that's what it just makes me think of. Yeah, that's David.
0: One thing, not a goof, I found something a bit strange in this scene. When Maddie says, if you can visually assault her, what's to stop you from leering at me? He turns to her with the binoculars and you can only see his chin move, right? Because you can't see his face. And when he says...
1: Well, for one thing, you don't wear flimsy halter tops and turn the air conditioner way up. Now,
0: when he says this, the audio doesn't match
1: his mouth movement. Yeah, totally. I've noticed that I was going to point it out. And the overdub, the sound level is different. You know, yes. like we've seen kind of like in symphony, when she turns around and says, don't spend the evening with Sitting Bull. It's an overdub. They've changed the lyrics. Yeah, they've changed the lyrics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're singing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so funny. Uh, well, Glenn did say it was musical. Exactly. Um, they've changed the... <laughs> lines and i've noticed it definitely but yeah i wonder what he did
0: say you know yeah you're right maybe they changed something on the script so maddie rips the binoculars from him and says you are toe jam (laughs) you are toe jam maddie she's begging for it you are navel lint if she doesn't want to be looked at she can close the blinds apparently he says you are an animal Exactly. Exactly. And she goes, and what does that mean? She says that a lot. Yeah. And what does that mean? What are we going to do? But I love what he says here. The male
1: of the species engages in sexual congress no less than 46,503 times from the time he is 13 to the time he runs out of ammo. (laughs) You can remember all that and you can't remember our zip code. (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, but this whole spiel he says
0: now is just... So good. In other words, given the so little opportunity for amorous expression, a man is bound to find another outlet. So he feels that it's okay to do what he's doing.
1: I know. Well, that's what the whole argument is about, right? And that's Mm. like leading up to when the priest comes in. It's like, this is how men are, Maddie. I'm normal. You think I'm abnormal. I'm normal. Let's ask any man. This is how they think. This is what they want to do. You know, This is how they are a little bit naughty, looking at women from afar and all of this stuff, you know? Maddie believes that she is violating that woman's privacy, but he doesn't
0: believe that is the case because she doesn't even know that he is watching. You think this is amusing, don't you? Well, it ain't Betty Boop, but it beats opening the mail. And who's Betty Boop? Oh, I didn't um go into that. I I know she's a beautiful character. She's
1: cute little Betty
0: Boop, Mm -hmm. but
1: I don't know the history of it. Just a, a cartoon character. A symbol of the Depression era and a reminder of the more carefree days of the Jazz Age, flappers. Oh, there okay. You go. There you go. And
0: she's and still just like around.
1: That. Yeah, you still see that image, definitely. Yeah. And by the way, Grace, I mentioned that thing on David's desk that is like full of needles and you stick your hand in it. So earlier when Maddie was taking out the telescope, the hand was like a peace sign. And then now on the desk next to where Maddie picks up the phone, that's changed. The continuity is off a little bit on that thing sitting on David's desk. It's just totally pressed in with no piece impression or anything like that. Just a small observation, but I thought I'd mention it. Okay. People on the set would just play with it. And then between cuts, it shows up as a different shape. Yeah, it's probably a different day. And one of those things, it'd be hard to keep the shape the same all the time because it's easily movable. <laughs> yeah, different day, right? Sybil's hair, now it has like a big swoop, a big like swooping curl that's <laughs> goes God. up. Her hair changes a little bit, but not too bad, not as bad as Symphony. But anyway, she wants David to call her, call this woman and apologize, Grace. You think this is a good idea? I'm torn (laughs) on this
0: one. It's like, oh, you either just leave it alone, make him apologize to Maddie and be done with it or ring the woman. But I was trying to work out. It was just convenient that the phone number must have been on the window. But then I thought maybe it's a place of business. But then what place of business would it be if she's bending over and so are we assuming it's a secret <laughs> yeah well, you know what I mean like are we assuming it's a secret I don't, know. I don't know okay
1: this is what I always pictured is the old phones that used to sit on the desk there was like a little plastic thing you know that you could take off and there was a, a paper under there you could write the number you could write your number on there you know and then you put the little plastic thing over it so you always had your number there accessible oh yeah um. Yeah please call us back at 312-555, you know, whatever. That's what I always pictured that the number was actually written on the phone there. Cause that's kind of the way like things used to be.
0: Yes. Remember? I remember. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: So that's what in my mind, she was using the instrument to like zone in on the number actually written on the phone on the woman's desk. Yeah. I thought she was, you know, a sexy secretary, I guess.
0: Yeah, because it's always puzzled me that it was very convenient that they could see the phone number. I didn't think of what you're saying, but I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's a place of business and there's a phone number
1: on the window. Yeah, could be, yeah. Uh, Maybe there's a business card that'd be probably a little smaller and harder to see. But, yeah, anyway, I feel like it's plausible that she could, yeah, read the number from somewhere. Um, But anyway, how great is this phone call? (laughs) Totally backfires on Maddie. (laughs) And
0: this is where he mentions he's 6'1", Shauna.
1: I know, Grace. Yes. Now, okay. I don't know if he's 6'1", I think. Sorry, listeners. Yeah, I think he might have exaggerated that a bit. Yeah. I think he's six feet, okay, even though some listeners don't agree. But I think he said 6'1", yeah, kind of athletic. It's an ego thing, right, like stretching it a little bit. So, yes, I think he is exaggerating a little bit, saying he's 6'1". But, yeah, I don't think he's 5'9". No, I mean, how mad does Maddie get? I mean, it's just so great cream pie in the face. You know, it's like, she thinks she's gotten backed into a corner. Call her apologize, you know, and oh, the woman is going to be so offended. And David's really going to learn a lesson. And you know, he'll never do this again. And what does he get? Of course, he gets hit on, you know, he practically gets a date out of it. You know, good old David Addison. I know it's great. Kind, athletic,
0: brown hair, single, Maddie begins to tell him to hang up, <laughs> hang up, hang up.
1: No, no. I guess you might call it a peeping David. Uh, I'm really sorry. What? That's six one, brown hair. Yeah, single. Hang up. Yeah. Kind of athletic. Hang up. <laughs> no, no. But did you ever see the one where you're? Living?
0: Hang up. <laughs> it's so good she grabs the so, phone off him and says tramp and slams tramp. the phone down Tramp.
1: yep and now she's <laughs> she's in his camp pretty much right like okay maybe this woman deserved to be ogled. <laughs> well, there he goes what was that number again <laughs> yeah yeah he could call her back and get a date out of that so now the tables have turned again and now he's all like see maddie see and she is not
0: happy, as usual, and says she would appreciate it if he wouldn't infect the other men in the office with his aberrant behaviour. So she begins to look up voyeurism in David's dictionary. Voyeur, one who derives sexual gratification from secretly observing the sordid or scandalous. Sound like somebody we know? Mm-hmm. But David starts to get a bit angry now. I love his response. <laughs> <laughs> A little peekaboo is mainstream, meat and potatoes, Americana. As regular as bowling, as right as rain, endorsed by the CIA. Ask any guy in the office. Any guy? Any guy. Fine. We'll take a survey. She's going to open the door and the first guy she sees, she's going to ask him.
1: Ask any guy in the office. Any guy? Any guy. Fine. We'll take a survey. Lads. Any man. Makes no difference. The first one I Anybody you like. Fine. Fine. Great. Good. That's great. Yep. And of course, who's the first guy she sees, Grace? (laughs) sees a priest (laughs) yep (laughs) and then we're back to the whole setup from the beginning and yeah what a great tie-in huh
0: yeah i love it
1: and he's like you planned that didn't you
0: yeah it's absolutely the best segue ever the subject matter they're talking about she opens the door and it's a priest so how's she going to discuss this with a priest
1: (laughs) yep they're going to ask a priest about the male of the species aberrant (laughs) behavior
0: you know what, the priest has been doing his own ogling in a different way.
1: Well, yeah. Using his ears instead, you know, listening. Absolutely. And quickly they're going to find out that the priest is not so perfect himself. No, exactly. David goes, oh, good timing.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And poor Agnes, she knows that they've been fighting. She goes, should we come back?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They look so cute when they open the door too. And he's kind of shifting her weight and looking at David and... They just love to spar and then they're always interrupted. Surely she can hear <laughs>
0: them from the outer office.
1: Yep. Now, normally it seems like this would be a commercial break. You planned that, didn't you? And then the boom, like commercial break, you know? But yeah, should we come back? Oh, no, 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 no. Come right in. And Maddie puts her hand out and he shakes it, Grace. That's
0: very true. Well, he's a priest. He's not going to hold back <laughs> like Mrs. Graydon.
1: Or Mr. Tupperman.
0: Oh, Mr. Tupperman, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Tupper, <laughs> and he just walked straight in with his briefcase.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. David's hand out and was like, okay. Now, this camera work here, Grace, have you noticed the camera work when oh, they? Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, I have a lot to say about this scene. You go first. Okay.
1: Now, it's just very interesting that Maddie kind of pulls the priest into David's office, right? Mm-hmm. And then he shakes David's hand, and they had those big cameras, you know, that were on dollies back in the day, right? And it's almost like the camera has to swing all the way around behind and down. It's like they're all standing up and then they all swing around and the camera has to kind of back up and then they set the priest down in the chair and then Maddie and David set, you know, it's just like, it seems like a very complicated maneuver for the camera.
0: Yes. Did you notice that? Yes. Okay. There's two things about this scene.
1: Okay. So the first yeah. one is
0: the camera angle and movement following them in as they sit down. Mm-hmm and it sort of shakes a little bit. The way it was done, it just seemed like a difficult maneuver. Yeah, (laughs) Um, It was an interesting way to do it. I quite liked it, but there's another issue. There's another issue, (laughs) Shauna. (laughs) Did you notice that David's desk is missing because she goes to sit in David's chair? How could she possibly sit in David's chair if his desk isn't there?
1: Oh, yeah. I know. What is going on with that? Yeah. So they sat the priest in a chair, supposedly on the other side of the desk as they do right because there's a couch there and then I guess there's a chair now for the priest but you're right Maddie kind of backs up and she's kind of standing where the desk should be yes yeah that's weird I wonder why they did it like that and when
0: the camera comes around as they sit down the camera goes behind something and you can see a plant or I don't know something I don't know where that's supposed to be but you would
1: assume that the priest is sitting on the couch I guess he looks like he's sitting in a chair, but I guess he's sitting on the couch. And I think that's the lamp or the light that you're seeing go by. And then between the priest and them, there's these two see-through glass boxes.
0: Yeah. So I thought on the day, maybe they were thinking, okay, let's do something different.
1: But to do this
0: something different, they've had to move David's desk because the chair would not be available where it is right now.
1: Not from where they're standing have to go around it mm. it's definitely yeah. different and yeah. difficult maneuver but it's definitely like they were saying let's do this all in one shot Bring him in through the office door we'll swing around you sit him down and then you guys sit you know yeah it's like they're trying to kind of do something different but the way the office is set up <laughs> just wouldn't work if his desk was there so that had to be missing and
0: I just wanted a quick cozy close-up type thing to get that outcome they would have had to just remove a couple of things but it works well it's just that yeah you're right you can tell when the camera moves around it seems a little bit difficult and I feel that it does shake a little
1: bit like it did in um the pilot yeah when they're coming down the street
0: when they're coming down the street yeah
1: and there was a I think a track shot down the hallway at some point where it's like it kind of shook and rumbled I mean, these were big machines back in the day. I don't know how they did it on those dollies and everything, so.
0: Shauna and I would love you to come and join our Moonlighting community. You can follow our Moonlighting the Podcast Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at moon underscore podcast 85, as well as our YouTube channel. You can also join our Moonlighting the Podcast Facebook group, where we talk about everything moonlighting. What could be better than that?
1: But anyway, the first thing the priest says is, I'm looking for a woman. (laughs) (laughs) and maddie and david do that side eye thing i love that they do that little look to each other (laughs) and maddie looks towards david and david looks towards maddie yeah it's really funny
0: but throughout this episode i noticed that maddie is very happy when she's talking to the priest she's always seems to be in a good mood and she's smiling i know yeah contradictory to her religious beliefs but When you see her with the priest, she's always smiling and happy. And I just found that interesting
1: throughout the episode. Maybe just because that's her client. It's less about his title. And David's the one that's taking it more personally because of the religion. Maddie doesn't seem to be taking that into account at all. It's just like, he's our client. David's the one that's making it personal with the whole religious thing and being very judgmental yeah see this is where you get the contradiction because david the guy who's ogling the woman across the way and looking at a tattoo on her in her thigh and being very judgmental about a priest you can tell by the expression on his face when he first comes in he's looking
0: at him very sort of not judgmentally but he's wondering what the heck i won't say hell
1: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) um what the heck is this guy why is this priest here and he's sort of giving him some nasty looks before he even starts talking
1: Yeah. He looks pretty skeptical. He looks very skeptical because David gets mad in this episode a little bit later on. So David's taking it very personally. Maddie's looking at it like a case. And she says that a few times, like it's, it's our case. He's our client, David. They're both looking at it from two different angles. Definitely. But Maddie's not taking it as personally with the whole religious thing because she's not religious. So she's not mixing the two. She's looking at it from an employer's point of view. And just how can we help him solve this or whatever it is, you know? But David's like, this is not right. This priest should not be going after this woman. And and I don't want to help him do it. That's David's stance. So the priest introduces
0: himself as Father McDonovan from Our Lady of Sorrow. He says, Our Lady of Sorrow, not sorrows. I'll just uh, right. mention that because um, on the facade of the building, it said Our Lady of
1: Sorrows. Good. Okay. I like it.
0: He can't tell them much about her. He doesn't know her name, doesn't know what she looks like. I've only spoken to her during confession, so he's bound by holy sacrament not to reveal anything that she said. But he can tell them one thing. He loves her. And Maddie says... Good heavens. <laughs>
1: That's a good response. Good heavens.
0: And he wants <laughs> to marry her. Wow. And in true wow. David fashion, far be it from me to tell anyone how to live their life father but don't you think you ought to try living together first if maddie's face says it all she's like oh god david really put a zip on it will you priest he doesn't know what to say he just sort of looks david goes well it's just a thought
1: just a quick thing about what david says don't you think you ought to try living together first that's also frowned upon you know within the catholic religion like you wouldn't live together before marriage and stuff like that so it's almost like deepening the sin in a way
0: Oh, absolutely. Not only, yeah,
1: it's more than like an off-the-cuff statement. I think it's also like, oh, and to make it worse, why don't you live together for a while first? What a thing to say to a priest. <laughs> <laughs> well, the priest is going down a road here that David is not quite comfortable with. Towards
0: the end here, David is sitting down on something higher. So I don't know what he's sitting on because then you see, you know, you, the camera's on Maddie and he's sitting next to her a little bit higher. So I can't work yeah. it out. <laughs> She's sitting no. on David's chair. So,
1: yeah, they've put something there for him to, but then he's kind of leaning in towards Sybil, like his arm is on the arm of the chair or something like that. But yeah, it's almost like he's on a stool. So, yeah, they tried to do some a little bit different staging here. <laughs> but we're on to him, Grace. We're on to you, Christian. Bye. Yep. We are. We see all and know all. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, it's really
0: funny because they try and do these close-ups and confined spaces, but you can tell there's something off, you know? it's.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. We're yeah. not saying we're...
0: it's a bad scene. It's, it's a great scene, but it was just interesting uh, how it was all played out.
1: Oh, yeah. It's good. All right. Anything else? And then we do go to commercial from there. We must go to commercial, so. yeah. So now we're in Maddie's office. Yeah, I love the scene. This scene is so cozy. Yeah, it's cute.
0: <laughs>
1: Bam at night, you know, all holed up in Maddie's office going through the books and eating pizza. And I love it. So they're really looking cute. through the taxi logs to
0: find a fare from Our Lady of Sorrows to the destination of hopefully where this woman lives. So Maddie's looking at a blog called Freeway Cab Company. I love the companies they come up with. Yeah, David is not so optimistic about finding the woman or the fear. We're trying to find a woman without a description, no retainer, and no clues. I don't know how she could use this as an argument, but Maddie
1: says, We know she was wearing high heels.
0: Yeah, well, that narrows it down to about 90% of the women in LA
1: and a couple of guys up on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> and that would be true today, except for probably not 90% of the women in LA are wearing high heels.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that, that percentage definitely yeah. would have changed.
1: Probably still a true statement today, except for mm. the percentage of women. <laughs> yeah, But
0: yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Um, yeah. So this is where Maddie reveals that the priest has told them that the woman was picked up by a cab with red and white colors outside the church. So all they'd have to do now is find out where she was dropped off. David's really negative in this scene about the case. He really doesn't. But you can see that there's an underlying reason why, because of this religion subject. He believes that they've got better things to do than find a woman in a haystack. And she says, like what? Why are you so negative about this case?
1: Because we have better things to do than try and find a woman in a haystack. Like what? Like roll around in a haystack. (laughs) Rolling around in one. And Maddie, I like her reaction. She kind of like smiles and kind of... She doesn't poo-poo it. She doesn't say David. She's like,
0: oh. <laughs> it's, I really like her reaction. She sort of smiles and does a like a, almost a little kiss. She moves her yeah, mouth like she's going to kiss him.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's like very flirty. Yep. But there's a knock on the door. Yeah, we got Curtis. We got Viola coming in with more logs. So there must be a lot of cab companies in LA with red and white markings. But that was a lot of red and white on those cabs. I mean, surely, you know, they'd probably have better luck going around and looking at the cabs of all the cab companies because that was very, like, red and white. They're like, yeah, that was the car. Yes. Yeah. I've found it a little bit of a goof
0: because Herbert walks into Maddie's office, but he walks in backwards. So how did he open the door? So if you watch it, you can hear somebody opening the door, but mm-hmm. he's got his hands full and he's walking backwards into the door.
1: It's really interesting. It's um, yeah.
0: maybe another door wrangler.
1: Yeah. and We have one coming up again soon. And uh, when he sets down the pile, maybe the books are the same. Okay. Viola sets down the pile of books. Maddie pulls a red one off the top. They all look pretty thin, but they cut away to David, cut back, and then there's like a thick binder on top. I'm not sure. It could be, though. It could have just been turned a different way. Um, I'm not sure all the books were the same in in both cuts. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, I didn't um, didn't check that. Very good. Could be it was just turned a different way. Anyway, Viola's helping with the case. I like that, you know, and and Maddie gives him a very nice compliment.
0: Oh, and he's so flattered when she says
1: that. He has a cute little smile. Yeah, and it's a common
0: theme for the rest of the seasons.
1: Any compliment he gets from them, he's so flattered. Yeah, he's so appreciative. And then Agnes comes in. And what does Agnes say? She says, like, pizza's here, she delivers, or something like that. I couldn't yeah. quite catch her. I have no idea what she said. Yeah,
0: so she walks in, pizza's for everyone, but stops in her tracks when she sees Herbert. They just continue to stare at each other. And David is so excited until he sees olives on the pizza. Yeah, olives. So. I love olives on my pizza. Me too. Meanwhile, Agnes and Bert are still staring at each other. Awkward much? Tension? Maddie thinks it's nice and he goes, oh, cheap date. She goes, oh, here we are, kicking off our shoes, letting our hair down,
1: stepping out from behind our respective titles to share a pizza together. It's like the four of them are in the office. You know, that doesn't happen that much. And, you know, again, I could comment on things Maddie says later, but I won't. You know, There's something I really love about this scene. Uh, Like I said, it's very homey and cute and cozy and everything. And it's like the four of them there, and pizza's coming in, and they've got a job to do, and Viola's pitching in. And then there's this awkward tension going on between DePesto and Viola. But David's just like, you know, focused on pizza. And Maddie's like, oh, this is so nice. And like, David and Maddie are actually like, Maddie's in a good mood. Like you said, Maddie's like happy. Maddie's working. Maddie's like enjoying this work moment and everything. And they don't really notice the tension between DePesto and Viola until Maddie's like, pizza, pizza. And you know, like they have a chance to sit down with the bosses, right? And like, share pizza and just kind of be involved in what they're doing. But because of their tension, they just want to get out of there. So there's a lot going on. You know, David's kind of oblivious. Maddie's, you know, enjoying the moment. There's tension between DePesto and Viola. Maddie's inviting them to sit down with them. And they're like, no, but then Maddie and David kind of catch the vibe that something's awkward. (laughs) It's so cute. And they're kind of like shrugging, like, oh, what's going on there? You know, I don't know. I just love it. I just love that whole, that whole thing that's going on. You know, they're looking, yeah, Maddie and David are looking at each other, like what's happening between them? Yeah. Well, they can't be
0: surprised because they already know that there's a bit of tension between them, but it is a lovely scene with them all being all together, even though it's cut to bits. There are a few <laughs> cuts that are okay with them yeah. all being together,
1: but um, it's good to have them all together. Yeah. I think that look Viola is giving Agnes, that's what they used for his credits, I think.
0: Yes, I looked at that and I thought, yeah, that looks like his credit photo.
1: So they make their way out of there. Yeah, it's it's cut up a little bit, like you said. I mean, we got that blonde wig of Maddie's <laughs> back, the short person, <laughs> for part of it. But there's a lot of quick cuts. I mean, you, you don't notice too much. But when Agnes and Bert exit, I'm sure you noticed the door wrangler. What, when they were leaving or the scene in the outer office? So Maddie and David kind of look at each other and shrug. Viola leaves. Agnes runs out as well. Now we're in the outer office. When Agnes comes out of Maddie's office, first of all, it's pitch dark in there. Thank you. Yeah.
0: That's what I was going to say. Yeah.
1: And she kind of swings the door behind her, but then someone actually closes it. Yeah, I didn't
0: notice that. I was busy looking at how dark Maddie's office was. I'm like, did they forget what the previous scene was?
1: (laughs) I know. Yeah, it's pitch black in there. But, oh, Grace, you have to look again where Agnes is five feet away from the door and it's like, boom, like someone like actually physically takes it and actually shuts it behind. It's so funny. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, you want to talk about Agnes and Bert? Oh, I love Agnes and Bert. No, that's why I want you to talk about them first. (laughs) Yeah, they're at cross purposes. They love slash
0: like each other, but I think they both don't know what to do with their feelings yet. Mm -hmm. It's probably a bit too early in the relationship. And I think Agnes stuffed it up, to be honest, um, Mm -hmm. at the start by being so demonstrative with her feelings Mm -hmm. and put him off. So now because of how he is reacting, she says to him, I hate you which, wow, is that out of character? I'm sorry. That's, wow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not Herbert's fault, Agnes. But I think there is a small moment there when she regrets saying it after she has said it um, Mm -hmm. and grabs her bag and leaves, uh, leaving Bert contemplating. Yeah. I like this little scene between them. It's really cute. It's just another progression of their relationship. But she's angry because he's been aloof. But Agnes, you've got to understand what you've been doing to him. So he's probably... The thing is that she never gave him the opportunity to approach her. So she ruined that for him, right? Yeah. It's sad what she says to him and he's sort of been left there and we know it continues. They continue their relationship and get a better understanding. But this is
1: just a small snippet in their relationship yes it's more maddie and david the whole i hate you thing but yeah it's, it's a little bit moonlighting where it's like you know that saying there's a thin line between love and hate it's kind of like i have feelings for you i just don't know what they are yet and yeah i, I don't know if, if those feelings are you know something awkward between us there's some tension or whatever what that tension is right now i guess you know and he says like look i don't hate you and she's like and besides it doesn't matter because i hate you. And yeah, i think it's just her maybe hurt feelings coming out that he's not reciprocating, you know, her strong feelings for him. Yeah, it is out of character a bit out of character for Agnes, but for Moonlighting, they do play with that whole like thin line between love and hate kind of thing, like i don't know what these feelings are and if you're not going to reciprocate them, then i hate you. <laughs> Something like that. Another question i have just about Elise is um i'm looking, you know, the full body. Now she had a baby. Her and Sybil were pregnant at the same time. Is she pregnant here? I mean, I I can't tell if it's the dress. Um, I don't think she would be that far along from what she's kind of looking like here.
0: Lise Beasley's son Andrea. He was born in September '87, so she's not pregnant
1: yet. Okay. Because and then Sybil had her dress in October that year. So
0: yeah. Okay. This is November '86, so she's
1: not pregnant yet, but she will be soon. During this time in filming, Curtis mentioned in his book that he suggested to Elise that they have an affair. But one of the reasons that um, Elise declined that offer was because she was pregnant at the time with her then husband's baby, but they were getting divorced. So yeah, declined having an affair with uh, Curtis, but that might have been interesting. All the leads having these little, you know, affairs and dalliances between them.
0: How very Holly. Cheeky Curtis.
1: Yeah. That'd be so cute. (laughs) If they were actually an actual couple, they're cute together. (laughs) Maddie and David. Anyway, it's kind of part of their journey right now. Yeah, they're just like you said, cross purposes at the moment. We just have to see how it develops. Anyway, we go back into Maddie's office and David's zonked out on the couch, but Maddie perseveres. One little observation, Grace, that I just noticed watching this time, you know, we're always like finding new things. As they pan across Maddie while she's looking at the logs, right behind her, a styrofoam cup appears in the background sitting on a napkin. It has like bright pink lipstick on it. Have you noticed that? No. Yeah. It's just kind of funny because it doesn't really match what Maddie would be wearing and it wouldn't be Agnes's. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Maddie's not really wearing a lipstick like that. She's wearing a more neutral lipstick in this episode. So... Anyway, they kind of, I think, made it look like it was left over from the little pizza party they had. But um, I just thought the color of the lipstick just didn't really match what Maddie had on in this episode. But anyway, just something I noticed. Do you think it's, it was supposed to be there or was somebody else's cup? Or... I would think that it is supposed to be there, that it was supposed to be left over from their little pizza party. That's the sense that I get. You know, they had drinks and snacks in there while they were um, working late. I think it's supposed to be there. I'm not sure, but I would guess it's like placed on a napkin and stuff like that. It just looks like it's been used, you know. You have to look at it. It's like bright pink lipstick on there. Okay. So Maddie is looking in the logs and is like, David, I found it. I found it. Can't talk now, mom I'm late for school. And he's got his tie tucked inside the pocket of a shirt. Pocket, <laughs> <which> is... <yeah.
0: laughs> By the way, that's I'm sorry, but that's an awful name
1: for a street. Uh four oh two crocker. Yeah. Now, what does Maddie say? Does she say picked up at Our Lady of Sorrows? Does she say sorrows or sorrow there? Did you notice? A
0: pick up at Our Lady of Sorrow on the right date at the right time.
1: Nope. No, she said it wrong. So it was written one way on the actual church. It was written another way in the script, obviously. script, yeah. That's what's happened. (laughs) David says that he's been thinking, but
0: but she says he's been comatose. So how could you be thinking?
1: I'll do some of my best work when my eyes are closed. Yeah. i was wondering what he meant by that and you know what scene this reminds me of you know how we always talk about like this reminds me of another scene mm-hmm. between a yuck at a hard place when he says um i've been shanghaied and she goes you've been sleeping <laughs> <laughs> <I've> been <laughs> when,
0: he sees, when he sees the tumbleweeds
1: yeah tumbleweeds yeah that reminds me of that anyway similar lines Gosh, we just know the show too well, don't we, Grace?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, just a tad, just a tad. Yeah. So David is trying again to convince Maddie not to continue with this case. Let's not do this. Why not? Projectile vomiting. Let's not do this. Why not? Projectile vomiting. Excuse me? Projectile vomiting. You ever see that Linda Blair movie? Now, is it just they wanted the dialogue to be that way or are they not allowed to mention the movie
1: title? Which is The Exorcist, obviously. No, oh, I think they always mention like movie type. They always mention, they always have references to things. I mean, mm. I think they just wrote it like that because the movie was like so popular, you know, that people would know what, exactly what they were talking yeah. about. Yeah. I, I think it's
0: a, a matter of um, Glenn's always making it so that the viewers can work it out themselves. That's always yeah. been the case. Figured the audience was smart. Yeah. yeah, so he's pretty much saying, look, you know, we're messing with people and things that we shouldn't be messing with. He's a priest. He's lost. We're leading him down the path of temptation. hmm so, Yeah. What are you saying? I'm saying that it wouldn't surprise me a bit if his boss were a tad bit upset with us. So, of course, Maddie thinks that's <laughs> absurd. But, Maddie, don't you see? We're helping one of the big cojones' foot soldiers go anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, David's really all twisted up about this. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and Maddie says, are you suggesting we drop this case because he's a priest? And I love David's Mm response. Well, I hate to
1: see this office filled with
0: locusts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Now, if you don't know, Moses in the Bible, Moses warned the Pharaoh that God will send so many locusts that they will cover each and every tree of the land and eat all that is there to be eaten. And every time the pharaoh mm-hmm. refused, a fresh plague was inflicted upon his kingdom. So that's why David's worried about locusts taking over the office, which yep. is hilarious. Yes. Actually, it's similar to, um, which episode is it? Oh, um, Next Stop Murder, when Agnes gets the letter from J.B. Harland, and David says, oh, doesn't he do that burning bush thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Maddie's not having it. She's keeping this case, you know, and she's going with her without him. And, of course, he goes with her. Not
0: surprising they're already in the car at the Adamson's home.
1: Yeah, and I also like this. I also like them. Okay, so when the car is driving up the dark road that's wet, Grace.
0: (laughs) I was waiting for you to say that, Shauna, because (laughs) I'm sure Shauna noticed that the road was wet, yes. I love how David looks at the building and he goes, yeah, it's your average palazzo. I love it when he speaks Italian.
1: I mm-hmm. know you would like that too. But yeah, you can see the wet road, how the light does bounce off. It does you know, look better. But you know what I really love about that, Grace? It's Sybil and Bruce or Maddie and David in a car together <laughs> driving. It's like they had to be sitting up there somewhere together. I don't know. That's where my mind goes. Up there together waiting for like the queue to like drive down. Because normally they're like on a tow car. Normally mm-hmm. they're not really driving. And normally there'd be cameras inside the car and stuff like that. But in this case, they're not. It's just them in the car together, right? You think about that? No.
0: <laughs> That's my <laughs> answer.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think you're like someone Bruce, like sitting up there in a dark road somewhere waiting for the director to say, all right, drive down, you know. Uh, and you and were hoping just, like, that Maddie and David uh, got up to some shifty business. <laughs> i think of more like Sybil and bruce like them like sitting up there talking about their lives or something and then i don't know that's where my mind goes it's quite possible and that she's actually driving the car this time because i mean they're not normally really driving i just kind of like that i like a lot of things about this episode yeah um but yes like you said just your average palazzo and it's this huge mansion so funny nice looking home beautiful it looks like it's way out in the middle of nowhere like where is that house You know, I mean, that's a really dark street. Well, I was going to ask you, where is that house? And I guess Hollywood Hills, one of the canyons. I don't know. I mean, I don't see a lot of lights. That's the thing. You know, you don't see a lot of city lights like off in the distance or anything. It's very dark. really, I don't know where that is. I mean, 402 Crocker is not a real address. That's not where they really are. And I can't see an address on the actual home. So I don't know on this one. wish I did. But now David says something about like a name on a mailbox is not a marriage make, right? (laughs) That makes sense. Uh, Yeah, it kind of does.
0: The reason I'm laughing is I was going to make the comment. I hate it when he talks backwards.
1: (laughs) Well, Miss Hayes, I hate it when you talk backwards. Yeah.
0: So Um, they're concerned because they go to the letterbox and it says Adamson.
1: So which means there's more than one. And she says, well, maybe she's married. He's saying, well, okay, the Adamson's like two. Well, a name on a mailbox is not a marriage make. But I was just saying, well, it kind of does because you would only have the same last names unless you were, if you were married, right? Mm -hmm. But I guess at this point, let's just say in the case, they don't know if she's married or not. they're just discovering this based on the name. Yeah, I guess what David's saying, like let's not jump to conclusions or something like that.
0: Let's not jump the gun. That's not proof that somebody's married. Yeah. Okay. When the camera is on the letterbox, the over the shoulder doesn't match what Maddie's wearing. The collar is up and Maddie's Mm -hmm. jacket is not up. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, we're on the subject of the jacket. Yep. I think it's the same raincoat that she's wearing in Maddie's Turn to Cry when she shows up at David's house and they go to the bowling alley and all that. Now, the back is the same. Like it's all exactly the same, except for the sleeves are a little bit different. The sleeves, I can't figure out if it's the same, but anyway. I think that's kind of interesting because here we are in episode five and she wears that raincoat later on. It's exactly the same jacket. The sleeves look a little different. So I can't be 100% sure it's the same. But uh, yeah.
0: Were you talking about the coat she wears at the bowling alley and the um, yeah, bay we- doors open and all that? Yes. That one's double breasted. So is this one double breasted?
1: This one, she has it open and not closed. But if you pulled it over and buttoned it up, yes, it could be. Okay. If you look at the back of both of the raincoats, the back is exactly the same.
0: Yeah, it had that flap on the back or something, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's the same and they've changed a little bit on the sleeves or it's a completely different coat.
1: Or a similar coat with different sleeves. I don't know. I've looked and it's exactly the same as far as I can tell except for the sleeves. Mm. (laughs) But, yes, it is double-breasted in the front. But right now she's got it open, see? But if you look closer... If she pulled it over and buttoned it, it would be it would be like that. So it is the same. Now, okay, so like you said, um, from behind her collar is up, but it's not up from the front view. So that's continuity mistake. So David goes and gets his yet another pair of binoculars out of the trunk. <laughs> Keep these for you know in the field. Just happen to carry an extra pair of these babies for use in a field. And you use just get field. a big sigh from Maddie. I love that. Yeah. And she's kind of you know, smiling a little bit. Okay. So here's a question as far as continuity, grace, mm-hmm. when the priest comes into Maddie and David's office, he says that because of the confessional, he can't reveal a lot about what's going on with the client. Right. Yep. He didn't tell Maddie and David about like, she's suicidal and things like that. Absolutely. But now that they're observing her, They're saying like, oh, I thought this looks like a woman in love with life. I thought she was suicidal. Exactly. That is a big
0: plot problem. Yes. Because he never said a word about what she said. He just needed to help her and he wanted to see her and meet her and marry her. So anyway, that's a Mm -hmm. little bit of a problem with the plot, but we move on.
1: (laughs) And yeah, there's some things I love here, like um, when Maddie grabs the (laughs) binoculars Out of David's hands. Well, of course he gives a shit about it at first, but she just stands there and then like snatches it away, and he just keeps his hand there.
0: (laughs) It's hilarious.
1: (laughs) So funny, right?
0: Yeah, it's really good. David sees a couple that are having a very romantic evening up on the balcony, and he says, Mm -hmm. "I love this job." Let me see what, and let you invade
1: that woman's privacy, Betty? If you could optically assault her, what's to keep you from leering at me? She just rips it. (laughs) (laughs) It <laughs> yeah he's like turning the tables on her isn't exactly. he of course this is for work david
0: i love how writers place a seed in act one and mm-hmm. then bring it up in act three again it's just that's great yes very um, good writing yeah so they begin to debate whether they had the right woman because yeah. what they're viewing as maddie says is a woman in love with life yeah and david says well depression comes in
1: waves maybe we're catching it between sets (laughs) that's funny
0: what are they doing now scratch and wear it itches
1: boy if that's depression i'd love to see this woman (laughs) a (laughs) lady
0: thank you for listening to all creatures great and not so great please join us next week for part
1: two well until next time i'm grace and i'm shauna thank Thank you you for for listening to to moonlighting Moonlighting, the podcast (laughs)